0: God, we are thankful for the gift, for the food of your word, and may we receive your truths gratefully, and may we feast on the banquet that you have provided for us, in Jesus' name, amen. The scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding. And separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him. And we taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, Just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh, So, friends, did you do anything fun this week? As I was reflecting on my summer, I thought about this faith church thing called Spring Fest. Uh, where I got to hold an alligator and have a lizard plopped on top of my head. At the moment, it was a little unnerving, but then after the fact, I thought that was kind of fun. And uh, then this past week, I, I went to an auto show in the Chicago area. Actually, to be more specific, it was in the Western suburbs. Okay, it was in the Faith Church parking lot. <laughs> and something unexpected happened at the end of the auto show, I could not believe this. It was so fun. I got a ride home in the Batmobile. I mean, who who gets to do this? Now, yesterday morning, I got together with a guy from Faith Church. Don't covet this, but we walked around the Morton Arboretum for three hours talking about trees. Oh, it was so fun. Now friends, here is the point. While I am very, very thankful and appreciative of these fun experiences, I do not define the value or quality of my life based on the fun. And that's very important to share at the outset, because increasingly in our culture, there are people that base the value and quality of their life on their experiences, on their creation of what they want to do, and that is the foundation of their life. Now, for someone who has lived a while, they recognize The fallacy of that thinking, ultimately, that's not a good way to base your life on just fun experiences. And as we look to God's word, God's word, as you might expect me to say and agree with, offers us something so much deeper in terms of experience and fun. It is to live a life as a strong disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to tie that idea of strength as as a disciple with the idea of what is the best life? What's the best life? Because we all think about that. You know, I want to have a good life. And the Bible does say the best life is an important question. And the best life that we will see today in God's word, the best life is a Christ-like life. Uh, We're going to look at uh, three points. Uh, The bad self to the new self, bad talk to good talk, and bitterness to forgiveness. And so we begin with the old self to the new self. And uh, let me just say up front, the old self is describing someone who has not committed their life to Jesus Christ. And if you are here today and you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ, if you're listening online and you're not sure about following Jesus, let me just say that I pray that these truths from God's word, uh, that you remain open to them. And I pray that God's spirit would open your heart to the beauty of God's grace. And uh, when we talk about the old self to the new self, a person who has trusted in Jesus Christ is to live out the new self. And so if you're here today and you have trusted in Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you to think about how is God challenging you specifically from his word today? How is God challenging you to live a more Christ-like life. This message, oh, it is very applicable to all of us today. So we look at the old self to the new self. Now, when Paul talks about the old self, he talks about live like the Gentiles. And what he's doing is he's referring back in Ephesians to earlier themes when he talked about the Gentiles and the Gentile way of life. Interestingly, do you know what actually is being said here is if you are an ethnic Gentile, you are called to live ethically like the Jews. Did you get that? So if you're a Gentile, ethnically, you're a Gentile, the call is to mirror Jewish morality or live ethically. Like the Jews After all, God gave them the Ten Commandments Now of course, in this old life to new life It's not merely live ethically like the Jews It is Gentiles You are adopted into God's family Through the Lord Jesus Christ So that's an important piece to it as well Now the Apostle Paul Talks about this this Gentile perspective essentially it is a perspective of living a life without god essentially that's what it is and the apostle paul he 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 is a language guy he likes to pile on the words and so when he describes the gentile perspective he just piles on the negativity says what is this life like it is futile darkened separate And isolated, it is away from God. So, how was your day? It was futile, separated, isolated, darkened, and, oh, I forgot to add, it was an ignorant day. And this is how he is describing the life of the Gentiles, using all of these negative, negative words. And God the Father... Has revealed this beautiful truth in Jesus Christ to do what? To lead us from this way of living, this perspective of living, to a new life, which God wants us to get. The new life actually is the best life for you. And so we uh, see that the text transfers then to the to the new self. Old self, all of these negative words, basically it's a sinful life living just the way you want, to the new self. Now, what is the new self? How do you live this out? This is really important. The Apostle Paul here doesn't just say, oh, do this good thing, do this good thing, do this good thing, do this good thing. He says the new self It is comprehensive because it is the life of Christ in you. It changes your thinking. You're given a new mind. That's important because a new mind is going to lead to different decisions, and decisions will lead to certain actions that have certain consequences. So, you know, a new mind. It has to do with a new heart a new heart, not just new behavior. It, in fact, has to do with a new identity. Who am I? A new identity, and this new identity is the real you, and it's a good thing, the real you. Uh, There are times that uh, middle school and high school students and some adults (coughs) uh, can feel the pressure to be a different person, depending on who they're around. So I'll take a student, for example. There is, they are one type of person when they're around this group of friends. And then they're a different type of person, maybe around family. And then maybe they have a church friends or different adults at church. And then they're a different person. And they feel this pressure to be different people. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ... You are a new person, and it's the real you. You don't have to be a different person, regard. you know, depending on who you're around. Oh, actually, let me pick on the adults for a moment. Uh, there are some adults that feel they have to be a different person when they're at work. And the work people see them one way, and the church people see them a different way. Not, not good. In Jesus, we're a new person, and... This is a gift. It is the best life. Sometimes I feel that people might think, you know, oh, I know I have to live this way because God wants me to, or the Christian life isn't exciting. That's not the point at all. It is a blessed, flourishing, wonderful life when God's spirit is working in you as you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is leading you to the best life. Life and that is the new self in Jesus Christ. So from old self to new self. Before I move on, I have a little story to share with you. When I was uh, a senior at Timothy, there was a guy in my class. I will just call him Bob. I asked Mr. Roloffs if he remembered this guy, and he said, oh, yeah, thick glasses and wiry hair. Now, in addition to that, Bob was kind of, a, kind of a scary guy. I noticed that the girls wanted to stay away from this guy. He scared them. Not only was he a contrarian, negative person, it's almost as if he reveled in the non-Christ-like life. He could care less about living Christ-like. It wasn't even a struggle for him, like, you know, I know I should live this way, but I don't, he didn't care. He just did what he wanted, didn't live a Christ-like life at all. I come to find out later, he was actually involved in some pretty bad things when he was in high school. About uh, 10 to 15 years ago, I got an email out of the blue from Bob it was both the most strange and beautiful email all at once uh bob had uh, been looking at the timothy christian website was looking at uh, teachers oh look at that i went to school with that guy me and so he emailed me why was it strange because what i remember about bob this email was nothing like what he wrote Why was the email beautiful? Because he was a new person. In the email, he wrote about his old self and his old life. And he admitted it. When he was in high school, he was far from the Lord, and he didn't care. And then he came to Jesus. And Jesus did a heart work within him. And he was living the new self. His life was changed. I emailed him back, and uh, we exchanged some emails. Then he came to an event at uh, Timothy. Not a, not a huge event, uh, but we met up at this event at Timothy. And after we talked and after the event, he purposely went around to try to find if there were any teachers around that taught him so that he could confess. (laughs) He could ask forgiveness. Um, He wanted to make things right. And uh, when I think about the switch from old self to new self, I think about my friend Bob and the beautiful work that Jesus did in his life. It's real, and it is the best life. The best life is a Christ-like life. So we move on. Bad talk to good talk. Hmm. Bad talk to good talk. Now what's interesting in this section is Paul is echoing some of the moral philosophers of the age. Some of the Greek philosophers. It was very trendy to have lists of virtues... In moral philosophy, the difference here is all of the virtues that the apostle Paul is listing are based in this foundational idea that Jesus came to save us and by God's grace we are saved. And because of that foundation, now here are some ways in which we should live. And so we look at bad talk to good talk. First of all, we are called to speak truthfully. We should not lie. Why? Because, well, lying is bad. Well, sure, but why is lying bad? Lying is bad because because Jesus is truthful. And because Jesus is truthful and we're called to live a Christ-like life, we should not lie. On the practical side of things, lying is just a pain it complicates your life one lie then leads to another line another line you have to keep track of who you lied to who you didn't lie to and it's just this false life that you're trying to juggle all the time so i mean really you shouldn't lie because it's against god but also practically speaking it's just it's a pain and it just makes you feel bad now the bible doesn't just leave it as don't lie it says speak the truth speak the truth. Why? Well, because Jesus is truth. And also, I will just add, speaking the truth will bless your life. You will be trustworthy. Okay, uh, just another little kids, middle school, high school, there are times in your life you're going to be tempted to lie to your parents. I know, been there, done that, okay? All I'm going to say is, it is going to bless you to just tell the truth. When you tell the truth, when the stakes are higher, first of all, you're living a Christ-like life, and it's almost a little sacrifice. I'm going to do the right thing. Secondly, you are becoming a more trustworthy person. Your parents see that they can trust you, and that will lead to blessing in your life. Uh, if I lied to my parents, I, I, told, I, uh, I felt guilty, and so I just, I just said it, okay? And I was, I was such a trustworthy guy. Believe it or not, my parents never gave me a curfew when I was a junior and senior in high school until I got home late one night. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, you didn't give me a curfew. Give me a curfew. I'm probably the only high school student that ever said to their parents, give me a curfew. And then I didn't. Anyway. Let's move on. Speak the truth, don't lie. Speak the truth. Uh, uh, secondly, under a bad talk to good law, uh, good talk, the Bible talks about uh, speaking without anger, and this is interesting. What did our text do? Old life, old self to new self, no line to truthfulness, and then when we get to anger, does he go? Don't anger. Don't be angry. Be angry. You know uh be or sorry be angry don't be angry no he didn't say that says in your anger don't sin so interesting now there is a thing about selfish anger right and that's that's not good but is anger as an emotion necessarily sinful no it is not is there a place for righteous anger yes there is did jesus ever get angry Yes, he did. But what does the Bible say? In your anger, meaning in that place of of righteous anger over some injustice, something wrong that is happening, don't sin. And one of the ways in which you don't sin is you deal with that anger, and it's really important to deal with. So the Apostle Paul says, you know, deal with this before the sun sets. Funny aside, when I was newly married, I thought that meant that if we had a disagreement, we could not go to sleep until it was resolved. Now, we never had an all-nighter like dealing with some issue, ah, you know. But the point is, not that you can't go to sleep. The point is, you need to deal with your anger. It is very important. And depending on context, maybe you deal with the anger in your heart. And then at 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 the good time, you reconcile in the relationship. Sometimes you need a little cooling off period, right? And, then, and that's good. But the point is we should not live life in anger. It is really important to deal with it even when we're just angry and it's not sinful, but we, we've got to deal with that anger. Uh, and then lastly about uh, good talk or bad talk to good talk is no unwholesome talk. The Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth The idea here is this word comes from the idea of rotting fruit or putrid fish. It is disgusting. That's what's going on in terms of no unwholesome talk. It is is corrupting talk. It is disgusting talk. And that should not come out of our mouth. Now, what about swearing? Uh... The Ten Commandments doesn't say don't swear. It says don't take God's name, name in vain, which is sinful, but that's a separate category from just swearing. Uh, what do we do with swearing? Well, what is what are swear words? Swear words are, for us at least, English words in our culture that are viewed as unwholesome part of the point of them that's why people want to say them if they were wholesome they wouldn't be swear words or fun anymore okay so the whole point of it not biblically speaking the point of of swearing is these are culturally recognized as unwholesome words therefore if god's people are swearing this is not christ-like because those are unwholesome words. It is not Christ-like to use those words. And obviously the Bible doesn't say, you know, if you don't swear you're fine. No, it says, you know, gossip or you can use words that maybe they're not swear words, but you can really hurt people and put people down with other types of words. So the Bible's standard for words is 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 purity and blessing and encouragement. Not, oh, if I say these few words, I'm fine. No, it's how can I use this language in a Christ-like life to bless others? So I ask you, when is the last time you made someone smile or just feel so good because of your words? When is the last time you didn't feel like speaking up but you did, to encourage someone else. And listen carefully to my last question here. When is the last time you said something nice to someone that annoys you? We don't feel like saying something nice to people that annoy us. And what does Jesus call us to do? To go out of our way, Say something nice, even to people that privately they kind of annoy us. Um, so, a little story here. I'm not going to go into the details of the story because I save it for the first day of 10th grade Bible. Sorry. But at one point in my life, I uh, worked in uh, the distribution end of a factory uh, filling orders. And I worked with a bunch of guys. Rough and tumble guys that swore all the time, and they even swore when they were happy. It's like, wow. Um, interestingly, within the first shift of work, it was quite obvious that my language was different. I mean, really obvious, because I didn't swear when I was happy. I didn't swear when I was mad or frustrated, like, whoa. Um, I am I'm glad to report that over time as I developed a relationship with these guys, guess what? They stopped swearing when they were happy. <laughs> just happy, I'll just leave it at that. But, but more than that, these guys, they were not just used to blessing one another with language and so as I got to know them I began just simply asking them questions about their life. I sought to be a positive presence with my words in that setting, and I could see there was a change in the tenor, and in the vibe of our work environment because of words. Um, Also, one other, I'll keep it quick, but uh, I was the Dean of Students at Timothy for one year, I found out one day that senior boys, a bunch of them were kicking underclassmen out of the bathroom. I mean, really? Come on. Okay, I was the dean, I was ticked off. You have not seen me like this. I went into the bathroom, all of these boys were taller than me, and I chewed them out. They had never seen me like that before. I mean, I just chewed them out. And at the end, I pointed to the ringleader, because I knew who it was, and I just yelled at him, I will see you in my office, and I walked out. When he came to my office, I had actually, honestly, I had dealt with my anger. I was was cool. I honestly wanted to bless this guy, even in the consequences I was about to give him. But he came in, and I was calm. I I didn't yell at him anymore, and... We sat down, we talked about it, and I said, you know, this is not, I just told him straight, and I gave him the consequences of his actions, one or two detentions. I didn't suspend him. okay? But anyway, I gave him consequences, and, uh, and it was good. Um, and there was that anger, but then there was me dealing with it inside and releasing that, and then moving on to help uh, work in a good relationship with this guy. Bad talk, to good talk. And uh, then lastly, bitterness to forgiveness. Uh, Simply put, friends, when we harbor grudges and bitterness in our life, this is a part of the old self. It is not Christ-like. And we are called by God and Jesus Christ to move from bitterness to forgiveness. If you stay in bitterness... This is going to lead you, as, as the Bible said, it's going to lead you to anger. It's going to lead you to other bad things in relationships. Um, it just simply is not good. You are allowing a little piece of evil to fester in your heart with bitterness. Now, interestingly, when we look, about, look at our world to say, what does our world say about bitterness, um, I have found in my reading, it says two different things. There's one theory of thought in our world. Now, this is implying you take God out of the equation, okay? One theory of thought that says, do you know really what's best for your life and your inner, your inner psychology? The best thing is to be nice, to be thankful, and just let go of bitterness because you can't control the situation. And this is gonna provide helpful things uh, in your life. That is one stream of thought. There is another stream of thought that says, uh, if something that has happened that has caused caused bitterness in you, um, that is unjust and do not let go of that and do not forgive. If you are forgiving, you are showing weakness and we must stand up, do not forgive. And if you don't forgive, that's implying hanging on to bitterness. And so this is what our world does with this idea of bitterness. And uh, what does the Bible do? The Bible roots this idea in the fact that for God first loved us and in Jesus Christ, For God so loved the world that he gave. And because of that forgiveness that we have from Jesus, this now frees us to be a forgiving people. For your own life, mentally and physically, is it good to let go of bitterness? Actually, it is. It does benefit your life. However, more than that, It is a Christ-like life. It is showing that you trust in Jesus Christ and you trust in the power of his forgiveness for you. Therefore, you forgive others. I asked my son if I could share this story with you. He said yes. When he was uh, in grade school, he had a surgery. During the surgery... The surgeon sliced the trunk of his right facial nerve, instantly paralyzing the right side of his face. One mistake like that. You can't you can't fix that. A little interesting faith church side story is we ended up meeting a nurse that worked at Faith Church. We didn't know her until then, and wow, that was a blessing in the midst of all of this. Anyway, so in our follow-up appointments with this doctor, he didn't really come clean. He, he wasn't honest, um, but this is what happened, and it was even proved later by Tess. This is what happened. An odd side providential note, When he sliced the trunk of the right facial nerve, he missed one, one nerve. And if you were to pick one nerve to keep on the right side of your face, that's the nerve he missed, which is the nerve to close your eye. Anyway, besides that right side of his face paralyzed, as a father, I struggled with forgiveness. I, I was bitter. This surgeon did this to my son? But you know what? Jesus forgave me. And I prayed, and it was not easy, but I came to a place in my life where I forgave, and I let go of that bitterness, and that was a blessed thing. Now, years and years pass, you know, and we, didn't, we don't talk about it a lot in our family, but years and years pass. My son is a young adult, and come to find out that Just, you know, at this new stage of his life, being on his own and as a young adult and reflecting upon his life, he realized there was some bitterness in his life because it affected him the most, and uh, he shared with my wife and I what he was doing to release that bitterness and to completely forgive, forgive uh, the surgeon. The reason why I share this story with you is that some of you today, here online, you are struggling with bitterness in your life. Whatever the situation is, it's not fair. Other people don't deserve it. And it is a deep wound in your heart. I do not want to minimize whatever the situation is. But I do want to say that God, in his love for you, is calling you today to speak him about this issue, to release that bitterness and to forgive people involved in that situation because God Almighty forgave you And as you do that, you will be a blessing to others, and you will be faithfully reflecting God's gracious call on your life to be a Christ-like disciple that glorifies Almighty God. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, when we read passages like this from your word, they are a tall order. And we admit our weakness. In and of ourselves, we can't. But, O oh Lord, we confess that in you we can. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in each one of our hearts at our point of need when it comes to your word today. And we simply ask that you would strengthen us to live a life that honors you. And for those today that deeply struggle with bitterness, oh God, please help them to release that and to forgive. For we are thankful for how you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.